And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrooby Podcast. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. Welcome to the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. We're doing something a little different tonight. Uh, we want, actually wanted to do this episode last week, but um, the Heat had made a trade and we felt like maybe it was in poor taste to bash the front office on a night they made a trade. But the Heat are in the midst of a seven-game losing streak. We have no interest in talking about why they're losing and how disinterested they look at playing basketball or being a team or playing defense or doing anything you need to do to win in the NBA. So we're going to spend probably the next 45 minutes to an hour kind of discussing all the mistakes this Heat team organization front office has made over the last 14 years, even dating back to the big three and kind of how we've gotten to this place today where we're looking at a team the fifth year of this build, and it seems to be in absolute disarray. So let's go all the way back. The big three, um, the real big three. None of this, none of this bullshit since then. Uh, when the Heat acquired or brought in Bosch and uh, LeBron to join Wade in 2010, um, they didn't bring them in as free agents, and they had the room to bring them in as free agents. There was nothing stopping them for coming for nothing. But for some reason, the heat agreed to bring in Wade, uh, sorry, to bring in Bosch and LeBron as sign in trades. They signed them to six year deals. They gave up two first round picks to each team, two to the Cavs, two to the Raptors for deals that uh, for years that the heat uh, should have known the players were never going to use. If you guys remember back then, the cap at the time was like $67 million. Think how much larger the cap is now 14 years later. They were never, ever going to opt into those options. They could have made so much more money opting out and re-signing, even if they were going to stay here. The fact that the Heat gave up four first-round picks to get those guys because they were excited to have them made no sense. They weren't going anywhere else. Um, They should have negotiated some of that stuff. And I think that's the trend. The Heat don't really negotiate. They just seem to kind of like sign guys to whatever deal seems to make sense uh, to them, but doesn't really work out. So that's part one. Obviously, you're not going to argue with the Heat giving up picks for the two championships and the four finals they made, but they didn't have to. And that obviously kind of set the pace for why the Heat couldn't really add any young talent with the big three. Um, you know, the one t- the one real draft pick they brought in, um, you know, he made an impact, but they traded up for Norris Cole. You know what they could have had? Two picks later, a young Jimmy Butler could have been part of the big three. Could have been backing up Wade and LeBron. Um, and that was like another kind of mistake they had made. They also, if you remember, when they were first forming the um, the big three, they were, you know, they, they were trying to fit Haslam there. They were trying to fit Mike Miller on that team. Um, they ended up trading away a uh, first-round pick to save some money. Uh, that ended up being Eric Bledsoe. So another guy who uh, could have been used on this team could have been some youth because the problem was that big three team, as great as they were, as fun as that, as fun as that run was when they got to 2014 and Wade's knee wasn't doing so well. And that team ran out of gas so fast, so fast 
like, yes, they survived the East because the East wasn't, um, you know, the East was tough, but it wasn't. But when they got that rematch against the Spurs, they were toast. And you could see it, man. It was LeBron and everybody else watching. So let's move on to the, the right after that. The Heat, for some reason, they thought LeBron was coming back. They didn't have any indication he was leaving. Um, probably the start of their just like crappy off seasons when they signed, um, you know, McBob and Danny Granger and thought that would really entice LeBron to stay. They also got talked into drafting Shabazz Napier, who I liked out of college, but just didn't really wasn't a guy that was going to do a lot in the NBA. And they traded up for him. So they were totally like they had no clue. They got totally blindsided by LeBron and his agency. Um, Let's move on a little bit. So LeBron leaves the heat are kind of, you know, figuring out what's going on. Um, The next year they end up uh, getting a high pick. The team wasn't that good. You know, they end up getting justice Winslow. I'm it's tough for me to fault them on justice because I like that pick, but obviously like knowing that Devin Booker was right behind him two picks later and, you know, Devin Booker's one of the best players in the NBA right now. That hurts, especially knowing that he kind of wanted him. So if anyone had picked Booker before, maybe maybe he's on our team. Um, you know, after that, the Heat kind of they let Wade um uh, they let Wade leave. And yes, there's like other things that benefited the Heat from him leaving, but you know, I think a lot of times they put their pride in front of what they needed to do. And um I don't think Wade should have ever been a member of the Bulls or the Cavs, which is horrible to talk about. Uh, after that, kind of they, um, I thought they were doing okay with these like one year signings. You know, they signed like Derek Williams, like other guys that weren't great. But the big mistake, I think the big mistake for them kind of started where they started finding these either undrafted guys or guys who were good on one year deals and could not figure out how to capitalize on them. So we're kind of moving on to where the Heat's really screwed up in these years, and that's just like asset management, how to turn these guys into other picks to keep retooling the cupboard uh, because they've given away so many first-round picks. So they signed James Johnson. Uh, they signed, um, you know, they signed Dion. They had they had that great first year with the Heat. They were Dion was like a microwave scorer, great great guy getting buckets. James Johnson, one of the best defenders in the NBA that season. For some reason, that was the team that was the what the ten the what was it ten and thirty one or something or eleven and thirty, um, and then for some reason they thought that team was somehow going to beat Boston if even if they snuck into the playoffs like just things that could have never happened, and you know they they really needed to move those guys and instead of moving them and getting any type of draft capital for them they ended up resigning them to four year deals which was insane. One, why those guys are not worth those type of years. And two, Dion had both gotten hurt and had never proved that he was like a long-term answer for the heat. Uh, they also signed Kelly Olenek that off season. That's one of the worst off seasons in, in heat history. Um, those three guys, like I don't hate Olenek, but you know, it, it didn't really make sense with that team. And so then they spent years just trying to find the next guy and nothing really working out for them. Uh, let's kind of move on to like, even when they, even since they got lucky and acquired Jimmy Butler, great move, obviously, like, you know, in order to, they turned Josh Richardson, who I still don't like, I don't know, he's back on the team into Jimmy and only had to give up a first round pick. 
but they made the you know they they've made other mistakes before that. They made uh they made the mistake with Tyler Johnson, which was a contract I believe that Mickey Harrison was the one who wanted to match when he got the offer from the Nets. That was a guy they should have never re-signed. You know, Hassan Whiteside was you know doing it with blocks. He was a guy that everyone was excited about and why didn't we get anything for him before we inked him to a max deal and pissed off that was the offseason we pissed off Wade when we signed Hassan. And, you know, what we've like brought in all these guys. They used to joke Derek Jones Jr. was an extra first round pick and then he never played in the bubble. Why didn't we get a second round pick for that guy? Um, and then let's just kind of look at like the way that I, I want to talk about two things now before we move on to like what do they do from here? The first part is, um, Basically, like, the Heat recently have been signing guys on day one of free agency. Day one. So they're, like, the first the first guys that you call, the first guys that you sign, the first news that breaks. And then they have to use second-round picks to, to dump those guys. Second-round picks that they do not have. And if you guys remember last year, I've been talking about second-round picks forever, and the value was going to go up. And that was even before this tax and the cap and everything changed, and now they're even more valuable. And they even they just changed the rule where sec- there's there's something in their contracts where they're where they're even they're even better now than they were last year's second round picks and the way those contracts work. And in the last two off seasons, the Heat have signed Deadman above market value. They've signed Deadman ab- above market value. H- had to dump him last year with a second round pick. In the same same off season last year, they signed Oladipo. And you remember day one free agency, Oladipo, one year, 11 million. Somehow that became two years, 18 million with a player option. Of course, when he blows out his knee, Depot takes the option, two second round picks that dump him to OKC. And now we know, like with the aprons and everything else, the Heat, the heat are going to end up using another second round pick, probably to dump um, a Drew Smith or a Thomas Bryant or one of these guys that didn't work out for them. Also, day one free agencies, free agency choices. And as we were talking pre-show, you know, Alex and I were kind of talking like they don't move guys at the height of their values. Uh, Caleb Martin would have been great to move this offseason after he was probably the Eastern Conference final MVP. Tyler Hero, after he wins sixth man of the year, before you sign him to this massive extension that he didn't deserve, he probably could have been a nice trade filler with another contract and could have gotten something else. Or you could have signed and traded him or something like that. Um, we talk about the other big offseason that was made. I know I'm jumping around because I'm just remembering all this stuff, but the year after the bubble, um, bringing Duncan Robinson back was a mistake. I don't care if he's good now or you like him now or you want him to start now. Five years for Duncan Robinson, the largest contract for an undrafted free agent before Fred Van Vliet signed this offseason. Stupid, stupid. Duncan was always replaceable. The Kyle Lowry trade, whatever you think about it, I don't think they gave up a lot for Kyle. It didn't work out, obviously. But three years, $30 million guaranteed each year, dumb, stupid, unexplainable. And the issue with Duncan and Kyle and those contracts is they couldn't, they didn't feel like they could make moves because they had to give up draft capital to get off those moves. And they don't have draft capital because they haven't been accumulating assets for 14 years. And this stuff all builds off each other. Like we talk about how, Unfortunately, we're like 
we have an owner that's more about saving money than than you know spending what needs to spend to win a championship. You guys remember, even dating back to the big three, that Mickey used the amnesty clause to cut Mike Miller to save money to save on the tax bill, which which pissed off LeBron. And we just, I think, just round and round we go. Right, we were saying before we were like, is is it the chicken or the egg? It's the problem that that Mickey isn't willing to spend to win a championship or is the problem that the front office has made questionable move after questionable move. Um, and then the owner isn't willing to clean up their mistakes because why is he going to pay for these bad moves? And the last part I want to mention, and we can, I kind of want to pose questions to you guys, obviously about this stuff is the heat have not been willing to give up what's needed to get superstars. You know, we talked about, they were whale hunting. They were going after these guys. They wanted Mitchell. Dame wanted us this summer. Um, you know, people have wanted Kyrie. They've wanted different guys. They've never really shown much of an inclination or an interest to include Hero. They've held him out, right? There's that stupid story that resurfaced yesterday that kind of Ethan from Five Reasons had mentioned like, oh, yeah, they think Hero can be better than Booker. Well, guess what? He's not close to Booker. He'll never be Booker. And he'll never be anything like Booker. And the fact that they've held him out as this like amazing guy who's just he's okay. He's just an okay player. Um has really hurt this franchise because they've never they've I don't know what they promised Jimmy, but they've never come close to giving him a team that can really win the title. And they've been close because of some Herculean efforts and some other guys picking up the slack and Spo being arguably the best playoff coach ever, or one of but they haven't given them enough and all of these all of these errors have just really come to a head and so we're having kind of like you, you heard the opening clip we're having kind of a a festivus it's it's time to it's time to let it all out the heat are in the midst of a horrible losing streak uh they look they look terrible and i think a lot of it is is the fact that this team has expected moves for years and they have not gotten it the front office has not delivered and sure, there's there's optimism, at least for me, for the Rozier trade and why they did it. And there's moves going forward. And maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. But for right now, it's dark. It's cold. We are shivering. I have my hoodie on. It is cold, guys. We, we, are, in, we are in a tough spot. So I guess after hearing my whole soliloquy and what's going on, I want to know from you guys, like, from everything I listed or anything you can think about, like, objectively what's the most egregious uh what's the most egregious mistake um you know the heat have made and just to clue you guys in like uh we got lj here today we got alex Sheltman, we got george who finally showed up we appreciate it george um and uh, so lj let's go to you I just wanted to let Harry riff. Yes, this is the Random Scrub Heat podcast. We decided to do something a little differently letting Harry get a 15 minute iso absolutely incredible and i'm very very happy that we did it as my cat now walks into the screen if you're watching on youtube hello hello everyone she got a little tattoo um yeah we to answer harry's question in short um the heat are fucked for those who don't know um that's the language you speak in rock bottom and that's where the heat are currently uh because seven games they are now what harry i i know you know this is the longest losing streak in Heat history, is that seven or is it eight? Or at least of Spoh's career. I, th I think that's seven. 
So I don't, I don't know about heat history, but definitely suppose career and definitely since 2008. So it's been a very long time. That's what I was thinking. Yes. It was that, that dreadful, you know, weight injury depleted year where they, all that kind of happened, but it was as my cat continues to just ruin things. Um, it, I thought, I thought for a second that I, I think it was around the 12 minute mark. You hadn't mentioned it yet. So I was like, Oh my, my thing, my thing that pissed me off the most He's still there. Harry hasn't said it yet. And then, of course, you said it as soon as it came to the forefront of my mind. So it, it was the amnestying of Mike Miller. It was the first time I can remember the Heat made a move, like in the big three era, after they they showed that they were they were serious, right? It was business. It was winning time. Riley was saying this is a decade-long type team. And then they amnesty Mike Miller. And that was the first time they made a move where I was really like, okay, I don't agree with this. Some of their other signings and stuff, how they filled out the roster, the Eddie Curry and all that, the Greg Oden experiment. I was like, yeah, this is worth it. This is worth a shot at a roster spot. And then amnestying Mike Miller, it, right then and there, it was the first time I can remember in the in the modern era where I was like, that's just not a good move. That is a dumb, dumb, dumb move that not only pissed off the fan base because it was clearly just money saving. It had nothing to do with basketball. There was nothing basketball related about it. It was all financial. And that really pissed LeBron off. And that's not the reason he left, because just a kid from Akron, he needed to go back. He, that was part of his journey. He needed to do that. I get that. But the amnesty of Mike Miller didn't help. So to not ramble any longer, it that's my pick. Because I didn't think it was going to be taken, but you took it, damn it. But still, that that's, that's what really just, the first irk, the first little tally on the chalkboard for me that is now the first of many tallies on a chalkboard, mind you, that they've done, especially recently, but th- that's my first one. And also, LJ, do you remember that Miller gets and the seed? He makes it somehow makes his way over to Memphis. He plays every single game. He does not miss a game, and that's which is just crazy with the number of injuries. Again, I think we can talk about another thing, but but I think the Heat are cursed, man. Like, the fact that that we're having all these injuries, like the fact that Mike Miller was getting his finger like caught in a Jersey that he missed all this time. Then his, like his, his legs didn't work, but he goes to another team plays every game. I just, that was, but I agree with you, man. That was frustrating. Um, Alex, what, what, what for you? Like, obviously I went through a lot of stuff or you could have something of your own. Like what, what just kind of has really hurt you about this? Oh man. Yeah. There, I mean, there is a ton to choose from. You definitely, uh, went through the list there. Um, I don't think you missed anything off the top of my head. I was kind of trying to take some mental notes as you're going through just in case. Um, but the two that stand out for me, and I, I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but George showed up late, so I'm taking two. Uh, he can figure out after, of course. Um, first one is obviously everyone's favorite, the Hassan Whiteside Max extension. Um, it kind of goes into the second one as well. Um, you know, I did a little expose on... Uh, players that Eric Spolstra has uh, coached to large contracts. Um, Hassan Whiteside's career earnings prior to signing with the Heat was $3.2 million. And I believe that was mostly off of um, his his draft contract. I believe he was drafted in the second round by the Kings. Um, and I, I think the majority of that money came from that. Um, he signed with the Miami Heat for two years, $1.7 million total, not per year total, so pennies. His next contract was four years, $98 million, which at the time 
was a max or damn near close to a max. Those were the big contracts at the time. If you were approaching or into the six feet or nine figure mark, sorry, uh, that that was when you were, you know, starting to get to a exorbitant number of the cap and and they gave it to him. They gave it to him after what? 60-ish games, 80-ish games in a Heat uniform. They were perfectly fine doing that. Um, Hassan Whiteside's career earnings after that contract, $5.3 million total. He signed that ginormous contract with the Heat and then proceeded to sign for nothing after it ended with multiple teams, and he's out of the league, and he's been out of the league. He was never good... uh, Eric Spolstra has this thing that Harry kind of alluded to. He can pretty much take dog shit and turn it into a a nice, beautiful uh, steak seared to perfection, and and it'll be a great meal uh, for, for you at your next dinner. But that contract ties into the second thing, which is ultimately my biggest mistake in Heat history. You pissed off Dwayne, Tyrone, Wade, and you let him walk and he was not a heat lifer. And I think that was the beginning of the end of whatever you want to call the, you know, the honeymoon period of the franchise. Um, it, you, you pissed off the franchise goat. You, you put the, you put the generation under him in a position that saw, and there are p- players today that say Dwayne Wade was their favorite player, not Michael Jordan, not LeBron, Dwayne Wade was my favorite player. That's what people say. They saw you do that. They saw you let the franchise icon walk away. You paid Hassan Whiteside instead. Um, and it was all because of petty bullshit. Um, Pat Riley kind of learned from this in a way, but it was because he did not want to overpay an aging star. But sometimes you just have to do that with very specific players. And Dwayne Wade was one of them. And this to me um led to what we see now with the whole heat lifer that transformed into the heat culture slogans that are all plastered everywhere which in my opinion maybe for a different time but i don't think those things are necessarily good because it invites this disdain towards players that don't fit within that culture and if you're already excluding a group of players purely because they don't fit your specific criteria, then you're setting yourself up to fail because you're not maximizing your talent pool. I also just wanted to say to Alex's point, when, when Wade left, that was the day that cutthroat Pat died. You want to, you want to pinpoint a time where Pat no longer was all about strictly basketball results and was now holding on to sentiment and loyal to players that probably you shouldn't be loyal to. It was when he let Wade walk. And like Harry said, good things did come of that, right? We got Jimmy Butler because of that. Wade planted, you know, the little the little worm in the ear, so to speak. But other than that, it's it's been a whole lot of sentiment where probably those players weren't owed that sentiment. And it's probably because they're making up for what they believe is probably the biggest mistake of their careers was letting Wade walk. Yeah, and I think, Alex, to the points that you made, like Rozier just got here last week. He said Wade's his, like, favorite player ever. Um and that, I mean, his interviews were pretty funny. He was like, I don't even know if I can talk how much I love Dwayne Wade and what, you know, what, even as a kid, what I was doing. Um, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. Posed yeah, no. in a Dwayne Wade jersey. Bradley Beal. Um, that's why he wears number three. So, 
Yeah, there's a lot of guys that idolize Wade and obviously grew up watching him. And the other point you made, and we talked about this again because we, we had a, a pretty good elaborate pre-show, is basically like the he can find these guys. They can find the, they can find the public's bag boys, the you know the Walmart cashiers, and turn them into good rotational NBA players. I want them to make as much money as possible. I'm listen. I'm the kind of guy like I want you to make as much money as you can. I want whoever you are like as much money as you can make. For your family, you know, generational wealth, good for you. Take advantage of it. You don't know how long you have to play the game, and you need to take advantage of it. The Heat do not need to be paying these guys. Their their gift to these guys is giving them a chance in the NBA. Um, and if they come here and they play well and they have good postseasons and they can get signed by their teams, or um, great. So when the Heat sign these guys to three year contracts, they should be moving every single guy in year two. Every single guy. Do not care who you are. I do not care what you mean to the team. I do not care what your skill set is. Every single undrafted free agent guy should be traded in year two of a three-year contract. Every single one. Can I jump in on yeah. on just what I have one more person that's even more egregious than the the white side signing, and you already mentioned him uh, in your soliloquy. Um, Tyler Johnson, zero career earnings prior to signing with the Miami Heat. Zero dollars. Did not make a penny in NBA dollars. He signed with the Heat for two years, $1.04 million. So he was making about $500,000 per season. His next contract with the Nets that the Heat ended up matching was for four years, $50 million. He made $3 million after that contract ended. His entire career earnings was off of one season coached by Eric Spolstra. And they matched that contract. And it was a poison pill when you could have just traded him, gotten a second, anything, a second round pick, anything would have been preferable because clearly after that contract ended, he wasn't 38. He wasn't 39. He was a early thirties person ready to go in the NBA. No one wanted him. He was a, a fraud of an NBA player. If we're putting it frankly, he, he was exceeding who he was because of the position that you put him in and you don't owe it to Tyler Johnson. He owes you. He owes Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra gave him generational wealth by coaching him to the player that he became to sign that contract. Because after he was done with Eric Spolstra, he didn't make any more money. The funny part about that is too, is the Nets had the chance to do the funniest thing imaginable by signing him to that contract based off that very small sample size. The Heat do it, the Heat match it, and then who does he go and play for after the Heat? The Brooklyn Nets. Just it's funny. It's funny how things kind of, you know, topple over in a certain way. George, talking about toppling over, um, how how are you doing today? We haven't heard from you. We're about thirty about twenty seven minutes in now. We haven't heard your beautiful, beautiful accent yet. What is the most insane, most annoying thing that the Heat have done transaction-wise for you? Transaction-wise in the Spo era, I think it has to be... Look, I think in terms of magnitude, trading Dwayne Wade has to be number one. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go into it because we've already spoken about it plenty, but I just want to emphasize the point that losing Dwayne Wade, trading him, it sent actual shockwaves to the organization and has left a, a real sour taste in you know in the mouths of fans and and other players as well. 
And it's it's that's going to continue for a little while because the longer that Dwayne Wade refuses to be a, an integral part of this organization, you know, through retirement, it, and you, you only see him only when like what was it when jersey retirements and other player retirements that he play with, you're not going to see much more of Dwayne Wade now since all the all, you know all the let's call it the the banners have been raised and the jerseys have been retired. Uh, I don't think you're going to see him for a, a few years now, at least maybe for the unveiling of the, of the, uh, the statue. But besides that, he doesn't really want anything to do with us anymore. So it kind of sucks big time. But in terms of transactions, I, I honestly think this all started when the heat refused to include Tyler Hero into trades with, with for James Harden. And that's like, for me, that was the big starting point. That was, and I'm not saying it's the worst one. Oh my God, like how could you do that? It's the fact that from that point on, they treated players differently. They, they sorry, they really shipped them out differently. They, they, they presented them different to the public. And I'll refer to the same tweet that Harry brought up where they're saying, you know Devin Booker? They're talking to Tyler Hero. Do you, do you know Devin Booker? He goes, of course I know Devin Booker. He goes, okay, aim higher. You can be better. Now, behind closed doors, do whatever you want. You know, have all the confidence in the world. But let that player prove to you that they're better than Devin Booker. You know, that they can be better than Devin Booker. I saw comments under that post saying, oh my God, Steph Curry leaped. Literally, Steph Curry leaped. Top, top 10 all-time player. That type of leap is where we're ready for. Just because the numbers correlate does not mean that that, that player is inevitably going to get to that next level. It's It comes down to situation. It comes down to talent. It comes down to strength. It comes down to health. It comes down to everything. Look what he's done since then. He hasn't been anything close to the player that we, we'd hoped him to be. But the Heat continued to build him up and to put him into situations where we thought he couldn't do anything but win. You know, he started the entire season after winning sixth round of the year. They they brought him off the bench when he was struggling, and then brought him and then took him off the bench even when he won the freaking award for it. These types of moves, I think, uh, not, not these non moves. I would say not trading for James Harden, not going to get Bradley Beal, which would have been cheap as shit. As in, like in terms of what you'd have to give up, the contract's not cheap. Dame is the. The biggest fuck up I think we've, I've ever seen from an organization in terms of a trade. It's going to be the biggest fumble. Of, uh, it is the it is the equivalent of standing in like a, a foot away from the end zone or the end zone. I don't know. I don't know NFL that well. You guys are going to have to help me out here. End zone or end zone? E N D. Okay, end zone. There it is. Yep, standing there. Balls ready. Like you, you, all you have to do is take one step, and you, you know you lose the disc in your back and you just fall over backwards. That's what that it's, was. It's not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch at the one yard line. Yes, because I know exactly what that means. Yes. Do you <laughs> uh, actually? I, I know that there's a player. There's no shot. He knows what that means. Marshawn Lynch, well, you know, by the you know way, what? guys, right now, great actor, great actor. Did, he did, is, but I, I just wanted to take a minute and appreciate George trying to like relate to our very stupid American audience. Nice job, George. Tua sucks, by the way, and we should get rid of him. There you go. You're, yeah. you're, you'll, you'll, you'll piss I'm off a lot of people, but you also make a lot of people happy with that comment. 
No, but George, I think it's interesting that you brought up the hero stuff because I think I think that's gonna was gonna transition into my next question, which is like that's where because I think that's the biggest issue right now. They basically put this guy on a pedestal. He has not shown that he's the player they believed he was going to be, which is okay. Like the problem with the Heat is not moving off of like what they've decided for themselves, right? Like they should have realized after they even the first season they tried to start Tyler Hero like it hasn't been good even dating back to Hero's rookie season they started him in the bubble in the finals because of injuries and it and he seemed to be kind of a different player and then they started him the next year with all the covid stuff and he still hasn't been as effective so at some point you have to kind of um you have to look at your uh kind of the way you perceive someone or the way you think of them the word's not coming to me right now, but you have to be able to change that in your mind. So they think here is Devin Booker. Great. They were wrong. Okay. Now what do you do? And the fact that they've like pretended that he wasn't on the trade block or he's only going to be for a top 75 guy, or, or they wouldn't have put everything on the table for Dame who wanted to be here. And was it the exact offensive player we needed? It's like, where do we go from here? What does this team do? Like, Yes, we all agree they need to at some point move off of Tyler for a multitude of reasons, not just from a fit perspective, but at this point they're staring down a very tough, uh, you know, tough monetary questions with the new changes to the CBA and stuff. Like, where do they go from here? I mean, LJ, you said they were screwed. I mean, I think they're screwed from winning a championship, but I think there's things they can do um, to to right the ship. I think that involves getting Hero out of here, bringing in pieces that fit better, f- focusing more on two-way guys. I think – I don't know what happened, and I'm not sure if it's like a Duncan Robinson thing, and, and they just really became – like they're good at finding specialists, but those guys are not who you want in the postseason. Like Duncan Robinson for years couldn't play defense, so fine, he could hit some shots. He was getting torched at the other end. They were hunting Duncan Robinson. They're hunting Tyler Hero. Now you got Haywood Highsmith, who's an awesome defender. He doesn't give you a lot on the other end. Uh, that was the same with Derek Jones Jr. too. Very, very good defender. Wasn't doing a lot offensively because he can't shoot. And so you get to the point where it's like, what do they do? George, we can go back. Like, What do you, what, are the, what does the team do now? The team has to stop. And I think the biggest fatal flaw, like it, it ties into what you're saying as well. The biggest fatal flaw with this team is that, that they acquire these players they build them up. They show unbelievable amounts of, of you know potential and and great system fits and shit like that. And you see it and you experience it and you love it. Even when there's an opportunity to, to upgrade or to make the right move, they haven't. Now in this situation where we're stuck with players who, you know, Duncan has done you know has done reasonably well this season on the offensive end. You said Hayward Highsmith. Pretty damn good defender. I think it was he's ranked in the top 30. You know, and that's kudos to him. Great job. But he can shoot the three when he needs to. It's not the worst three-point shot I've ever seen. But he doesn't really give you anything in terms of consistency on the offensive end. These players are expendable. And you should be looking to push them away for picks if the you know with the opportunity presents presents itself. Now, Duncan's been the worst player on our team for the last. So the worst contract on our team for the last two years, in my opinion. Worse than Kyle? Like, uh, worse than Kyle. Kyle was, it was expiring this year. It's fine. 
Like Duncan's also wasn't like look into I'm not talking in terms of money, I'm talking about in terms of situation of where he was in his career, how he was playing, and then how many years is left. Like it was terrible. It was hopeless. It was I, I generally thought that you know, might as well just cut like and, and stretch the contract. Like I I don't know exactly how that works, but I know that they've done it before. But he's he started he's finally started to play well, well enough to get a bit more, you know, consistency under his belt, a bit more playing time, and he becomes an integral part of the team. The report comes out two weeks ago. The Heat are not willing to move away from Duncan Robinson. What are you what are you fucking talking about? You're not willing to move. You've just gone through two years of absolute purg- purgatory with him. Like he's he played like shit. He was the worst player on your team for two years, and he was making $18 million doing it. Now he's got two more years left. He started playing well. It should have been a no freaking brainer. He's finally got some trade value on his belt. Get rid of him. Get rid of him. It, these sorts of moves, this this sort of like be, be, I don't know. Don't do that. <laughs> I, I I was we should keep Duncan Robertson, Harry, forever and ever. He's the no, greatest. <laughs> no, you're no, you're right though. Like, it's not. Listen, I. I admitted this year he's having a good year. He had to begin like, especially when Hero got hurt and he stepped in. Like, team was gelling, team looked good. Duncan was playmaking. Um, but if a team comes around and you can upgrade Duncan Robinson, it is not even a question. I don't care what Duncan's done for Spo or the team, or if he's like great at washing cars because I'm guessing that's what he would have had to have done the last few years to to make up for his salary because it wasn't happening on the court. So he must have been like an expert at washing people's cars. But you move on from him. You just just the fact that they the fact that listen, George, I think there's probably a, a hopefully there's another reason for that report coming out. Maybe they're trying to see what they can grab for him and they're like, hey, he's untouchable. But you know, they need to the moment they have a chance to once they sign these guys and there's a move, there's a uh, a moment to improve, it's gotta be done. No hard feelings. Um, hopefully everyone's enjoyed their time here. Hopefully they move on and tell people how much they enjoyed playing for Spo and the heat. And you always want that stuff to happen, but you're hundred percent right. Like the lack of upgrades. And that's why I know people, we can, we can discuss it at the end of the year and stuff. That's why I like the Rozier trade. Cause obviously he was an upgrade over Kyle Lowry. Obviously that's a contract you can do something else with. Like it's the first time that I felt like they made a, mo- a, mo- a momentary upgrade that could be used later on to upgrade in a different way. And they haven't done that at all in the gym. It's, it's year 24 while they're doing yeah. it. Yeah, year 2024. Right. Like, I'm so surprised no. that you guys didn't say it because Duncan Robinson, Harry, to make up for you know his performance the last couple of years, to, to make up that salary, I thought he would have been selling insurance. That's what I would have been thought. That's what I thought he would have been doing. And George knows something about that. Listen, I don't know how I've gotten stuck with this for the last few weeks. And I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it, though. But... The primary sponsor of the of the Basement Sports Network is Simple Health Advisors. Insurance does not need to be complicated, Pat Riley. Email them or give them a call today and tell them that the Basement sent you. Email them at jpu, J-P-O-U-G-H, at simplehealthadvisors.com. That's jpu at simplehealthadvisors.com. Or you can give them a call at 321-345-7738. He's opening hours uh, at the same uh, times that Pat Riley's awake, which is uh, 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, every second Tuesday. So if you want to give him a call, then that'd be completely fine. Tell him George sent you. You might. That's get not accurate information. Do not listen. He's it's fake news. Sabotage. Just fake news it's right now. Sabotage. 
It's a, all right, you but just lost the I, bit. I was keeping a I, bit going by letting you do the insurance, but you just lost your privilege. Do you want me to do my Texas accent again? Because that can happen. All right, please. Next not season. now. Next, <laughs> next time. Next time, actually, yes, I'll let you do that. Very but, quickly, though. Very quickly. If that, I feel like you guys brought it up in passing before, but the cutthroat Pat Riley was the best version of Pat Riley we've ever seen. It was. It was the. I don't give a bleep how you feel. I'm gonna do it, and then you know. Because I, I think this is what's best for the team. What they need to do is they need to go home, get, go get a photo, an A2 or an A1. No, sorry, yeah, A1 size photo of I think it's either Luke Ridnell or Chase Budinger, the one who got traded third like five times in in four days. And when a player is about to leave and you're about to be very upset that they're going, you know, because they, oh, what are we gonna do now? You you got a four year contract. It's fine. Look at that photo of Chase Budinger or Luke Ridnell. And then say, if you feel if you, if you think you got a tough, he got traded four times in five days. Now he has no job. We don't even know where he is anymore. All right. That's a sad man. You don't have to be sad. You're making $20 million. You can go. It doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to be, you feel bad for these players. You don't have to. You, it's a business at the end of the day. Run it like a fucking business. Because right now we're falling massively behind. We don't, we're running out of assets. The draft competition. We've been we've been fucked in the draft. Like I'm talking in terms of having draft picks and and having a multitude of them, a plethora of them, or having even having our ones. Uh, it feels like for how long now? For eight, nine years, six years. Like ever since Bam got traded, it's been shit. We don't like to pick up. We don't like to pick up in excess of trade trade picks. You know, draft picks. We don't do that anymore. We don't move them off in trades because we don't have any. Oklahoma City's got three of our picks coming up. I don't care if they're second or first round picks, but they do. They own three of our picks over the next five years. So what the fuck are we doing? I, I would question. like to see some I would love to, I would love to see what happens. Make the make the mistake to never let that happen again. Look, you're not gonna get those picks back most likely. That's completely fine. I get it. But stop making mistakes where you're forced to give up these picks now when you could You'd love to have another extra first round pick to attach to to Tyler Hero or another couple of second round picks to attach to Duncan Robinson. You can't do it. And it, I don't care what anyone says about second round picks. They're 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 valuable in their own way, and pe- tra- teams like to trade for them. I'd like to get on the train where we were trading for five first five second round picks. Why can't we do that? What's wrong with five second round picks? Let's get it. Let's get it going. The other day, you know. It takes you a week less to sign them from, you know, undrafted free agency. So, might as well use some of those second round picks as well. Yeah, but- and George, and George, the fact that like we talked about it too, the fact that they have undrafted free agent guys waiting in the wings uh, makes it even more likely that they need to move on and get these, like, move the guy, get the pick, and then bring the next guy up. Like, you know, they have a few guys playing this Rising Stars game. They have some guys down at Sioux Falls. Who look like the who look like they could make an impact on say George? We know who you like, but you know they're ready Wallace to Williams and Cole right, right, but there there are other guys, so they need to be willing to move on because they've shown that they're good enough at finding, uh, you know, the hidden gems. But Alex, if let's t- let's talk about let's talk about the more interesting like nuclear option. That's what we're gonna call it. Like if this team if this team continues to struggle. And, you know, you're looking at another, maybe another playing thing or, you know, something like that where the, where the run they made last playoffs is just, 
it's going to be very difficult to repeat, and I don't think it's going to happen again. So what are your thoughts moving forward? We talked about, obviously, like moving on from Hero. I mean, do we pull the in case of emergency button, or are we are you ready to do that if that's if that's what it takes to kind of reset everything? Yeah, I mean, uh, another network mentioned, I believe, in the last couple of days, uh, it's better to be ahead of it by one year than behind of it by one year. Um, I'm glad they are finally caught up to me. Uh, I was ahead of it by two years. Uh, they should have traded Jimmy Butler last year. Uh, I've been I've been one of the first people on that train. Um, it's not anything to do with doubting his ability as a player. I believe he is a great player. Um, I just don't believe in what the franchise has done uh, to put him in his position to succeed. And you, each year that has gone by, it has gotten progressively harder for him to win a championship, which is the goal. Um, and yeah, they made a miracle run to the finals. They were also three minutes away from a lottery pick. Um, I, I don't foresee that happening again. So yeah, the nuclear option is to trade Jimmy Butler. People don't want to say that. Jimmy has given them uh, so many great memories over the last couple of years because the the team was in the, the depths of hell, which is uh, NBA mediocrity during the post big three era. And people were starving for some, you know, star to latch onto that they could get attached to. And Jimmy Butler was that guy. He picked Miami. He decided, I want to go to Miami. Um, he got here and he got them to the finals, had, uh, you know, an incredible NBA finals with the whole world watching because we were stuck inside because of the pandemic. Um, he got them to the finals last year, uh, did not play great, but that's besides the point. So he's ingrained himself within uh, the history of the Miami Heat. Um, that said, you know, th this team is teetering at 500. You are on the verge of being in the play-in again. Um, could you go on another miraculous run to the finals? Sure. At this point, I really won't count out a Jimmy Butler, Eric uh, Spolstra team in a seven-game series. I won't fully count them out. I will very, very highly doubt them. Um, but it could happen. But more realistically, is it going to happen? Probably not. No. Like They, they are likely going to be a first or second round exit, depending on who their matchup is. Um, and that's not bad to say. Like, it is bad to say when you're satisfied with that. Um, but I'm, at the end of the day, I'm here to watch my favorite team win an NBA championship and not get caught up uh, with how they do it. I just want them to do it. So, yeah, they should trade Jimmy Butler before February 8th. They should do it for uh, a younger player and two first round picks. Maybe if there's a bidding war, a third first-round pick, they won't do it. I'm fully cognizant that they will not do that. Uh, they will not do that in the offseason either. Uh, Jimmy Butler will probably play the rest of his entire career in a Miami Heat uniform. I highly doubt he will play anywhere else. Uh, but yes, they should trade him. They should recoup the assets on him that they best can. Uh, maybe you suck next year or you know, worse, worse next year than you are this year. Uh, you have Tyler Hero as the focal point of your offense, maybe boost his trade value up a little bit, even though it's not, you know, something that's going to be much higher than it is right now. Uh, maybe you trick 
a GM into thinking that he's worth a, a first round pick and maybe a player. And Donovan Mitchell is a free agent at some point in the next one or two years, depending on whether he exercises that player option. So that's sort of where my head is at. I'm again, going back to the beginning of my little rant here. I'm thinking one year ahead. I'm not really thinking about this year anymore. This year is already over for me. I don't foresee them winning an NBA championship. So what are the moves that I would like to see them make to position themselves to win an NBA championship? And for me, it's acquiring that draft capital, those assets quickly, efficiently, uh, raising the value as best as you can on the players that you have on your roster that you're you're not planning on keeping long-term, flipping them, combining all of that, getting someone like a Donovan Mitchell or the next big name that comes available and actually having the capital to get into a bidding war with some of the, you know, the New York Knicks, the, the Sixers, I believe have four or five tradable firsts at this point in time. Um, the Kings have, you know, three or four tradable firsts and two solid young players with a couple expirings that they're, you know, we're, we're never in the mix because we don't have anything accrued. So I don't know. It, it, it's it's tough to say, and it's and I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. Um, but it comes from a good place. I want to see them win. Um, I, I like Jimmy Butler as a player. I like him as a person. I think he's cool. Uh, but I just I just can't envision it at this point in time. Let me give you the alternative that I've been thinking about. So I don't think they're going to trade Jimmy. I can understand you know pros and cons for it against it, and you know trying to start the band build. You know who you know who needs Miami? LeBron James. Like they need a reunion. I'm I'm I, listening. Never been like didn't like the way LeBron left. I've never been a huge LeBron James like the personality fan. Basketball player, best I've ever seen, but the guy and the corniness and everything else that comes along with it, I'm not into it. The lying, the you know, smiling faces, hidden agendas, not a fan. But hey, the basketball player, absolute Meister on the court. Um, he is that LA thing has been bad. One championship in the bubble, it was fake. Anthony Davis wasn't hurt and shot, you know, he's never shot that well again. That that dude will never be healthy. Um, you know, I think the big mistake they made after that year was getting Russell Westbrook because all their great bench pieces that helped them win out the door. And those, I mean, all those guys were good. All those guys helped them. Let me walk you down to. The Lakers have another terrible year. They're they're you know they're out of playoffs. The Heat lose in the first and second round. Disappointing end. Um, you know, probably to this five year run with Jimmy. We go into the offseason. LeBron has that option with the Lakers, but he doesn't want to stay in LA. His son's coming into the league. He wants to play with his son. LeBron wants he LeBron opts in on the condition that he's traded to the Miami Heat. For Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Nikola Jovic, and a first-round pick. Sorry, 20- can't do it. Not giving up Nikola Jovic. <laughs> the, the 2030 first-round pick. So they can draft LeBron James Jr. for vibes. I don't think... You, so you give up all three great white hopes in return for double LeBrons. I would give up all a million great white hopes. I don't care where they're coming from. I don't care if they were flocking from below the earth. They're, they can go. They can all go to L.A. Uh, I don't think the Lakers would have much of an issue with that because if LeBron wants to leave and that's the severance package, so to speak, it's not bad. Um, you know, LeBron could have LeBron could technically leave for nothing. 
And we know the Heat like giving up first round picks when they could have just signed a player Correct. instead of just getting a trade. Correct. Not nice but, little callback to the top of the pod. But yeah, I, I think. Listen, I w- I'm bad at predicting this stuff. I don't know. Like maybe he just people have said no. He he wants to make movies out there. He wants to be in LA. I don't think you have to be in a place to uh, indulge in what that area is good at. Like you are uh, basically. I, I think he is a billionaire or right on the cusp of being a billionaire. Um, you can travel anywhere within four to five hours. That's the beauty of technology. I don't think you need to live in LA to enjoy everything that there is in LA. And he, you, you could argue we could have a debate. LeBron had his most successful years of his career in Miami. He was at the top of this game. He was the best version of himself. Um, he had coaches say no to him, which he's never had anywhere else. He's actually had people challenge him, put him in spots. And I just think like, think like that's where we're heading if this thing doesn't work out. And listen, I would trade Hero tomorrow if you got two contracts and then you could just send those out for LeBron. Like my thing is bring in the better fits, make the upgrades, right? Um, I unfortunately think a lot of this Hero stuff, they're not the same players and I'm not comparing them. But I do think it's like the Hassan Whiteside thing with the, with an addition by subtraction. Sometimes guys don't jive together. Sometimes the fit isn't good, and moving moving him for again more guys that can that can play more of a two way style, both on offense and defense. Uh, the Heat need more of that spot up shooter, which is what he was complaining about the other day that he's sacrificing by taking eighteen shots a game. The dumbass who doesn't know what galvanizing means. Which, by the way, was disproven, I believe, by uh, our very own uh, Brian. He said that he looked at the numbers, uh, the catch-and-shoot numbers before the Terry Rozier trade and after have been basically the same. Yeah, so he doesn't even understand basic statistics, which would uh, just... yeah, I'm not, I don't think Hero's the smartest guy. But I just think we're at this kind of like, this is the crossroad, right? And Alex, you're right. Like This crossroad was here two years ago. But they're late. Um, we've arrived at it once again. We are right at that spot where what does this team want to do moving forward? I highly doubt they want to give up any more picks because they don't have that many. And that's kind of a hard, that's kind of a hard thing to do without it being for like a real superstar upgrade. And those guys are rarely available uh, at the trade deadline. And when they are, it's usually in, uh, a slight overpay by the team to make it happen because you're basically preparing for the postseason. And so, you know, I think we just – we had been wanting to do this pod for a while. It didn't – you know, when we when we had planned it last week, it was just kind of bad timing. But I think it's important as fans to look at, hey, what has this team done well? Like what are they, what do they excel at? And a lot of that has to do with – a lot of times the coaching and the postseason adjustments and th- things like that. And I also think we have to look at what they, what they haven't done as well and the mistakes they've made. And, and unfortunately these things um, they build, they stack on top of each other. And so a lot of these mistakes, uh, even though they're a decade ago or 14 years ago, have come back to kind of haunt the team and the, and their lack of, for me, it's their inability to change. Their the philosophies don't really work anymore, and so at some point you have to look around and say, like, guys, this isn't working. We don't need to hype up our own guys. We don't need to resign 
our undrafted free agents to these rich contracts. We can move on from them and acquire assets, get the second round picks, make the next move, as we've kind of all been saying. And that's kind of where we are. So I don't know if you guys want to like have any last closing comments, things you want to see, like yeah. Think- I, uh, I, I, I've been biting my tongue for most of the pod. I was waiting till the end to kind of empty the clip here. Um, because I just felt that was the right time to, uh, to end it for the show on, on this glorious episode. We've let Harry take the reins of it. And Harry's question of where do they go from now, from now, you know, what, what lies ahead. And in order to acknowledge the future, you have to acknowledge where you currently are and you have to understand how you got there. And the Heat sit in this situation where they've lost seven straight, and it's mainly because the roster construction during the entire Jimmy build has been nothing short of horrendous. The first year was admittedly not terrible. You had the point guard that could get to the rim and Goron. You had Myers Leonard who would at least get minutes as a backup big, or in, even though they started him, honestly, for, for most of that season. You have to understand why they're here. Continually, the roster has deteriorated. Minus the one year where they were the one seed because they went out and got P.J. Tucker who fit what they needed. The the front offices, Harry talked about it too, the front office's unwillingness to adjust after their mistake. They hold on to guys for a little too long. Not a single player on this team aside from like two, Jimmy and Bam. And less so even that, well, we all know Jimmy's role, but aside from like two people on this roster, no one has a role. Night in and night out, players do not know what they're supposed to do because they don't know what they're going to get from their two big men for what they're supposed to be. Will Bam be aggressive? We don't know. That changes from day to day. Is Jimmy going to be aggressive? Well, if the calendar says it's the the, the end of the, the year, no. If it's the beginning of like after January on, maybe. You might get aggressive Jimmy. Last two games we've gotten aggressive Jimmy, and he's looked good. Didn't relate to shit though, because the team's kind of already, you know, they understand what, what they're looking at. And a reason for that is, I haven't said his name a whole lot tonight, but Tyler Hero Shelman said it perfectly on Twitter the other day, by the way. It's Hero is the team's third best player, but they continually use him as the first option. And it's not resulting in wins. You now have almost 130 game sample size where the team has a losing record with Tyler Hero as a starter. I don't know what else you need to see. He's not a bad basketball player. He's put in a role with the Heat where he's not going to succeed. His previous role, he did succeed. He won an All-NBA award of six-man of the year when he was coming off the bench. I'm not trying, I don't want people getting angry at us now for saying, oh, Tyler Hero off the bench isn't going to fix this. I know that. Tyler Hero at this point coming off the bench will not fix all the issues with this team. It won't. There's way too many of them. The fact that Bam's front court partners for his entire tenure with the Heat 2 have been 6'5 and under. That minus Miles Myers Leonard, obviously. Aside from that, Bam is told to do everything, and you wonder why he gets burnt out 40 games in. I said it on the postgame last night, too. That's an issue, though, when a player that you're expecting to do everything for you on the defensive end and then carry you on offense some nights gets burnt out after 40 games. If you're Bam, you can't have that. You cannot be drained after half a season. If you taper off at the end of the season because the load's just been too big to bear, kind of like what you've seen with Jimmy during the playoffs, okay. Then it's like, all right, that's fixable. If you're, if you're getting burnt out in January, like he has the last two years, that, that's on you as a player. You need to be able to maintain a level of play more than 40 games. If you are who you say you are, if you are who the Miami Heat thinks you are, Bam needs to be better. I don't want to trade him. I'm not, 
I'm not an idiot. You you keep Bam, obviously. That's why we haven't even floated that idea out there. If you trade Jimmy, you're committing to the, the younger build. If you trade Tyler, you're committing to the older build. Both of those things are feasible. One, obviously, way more likely than the other. Bam's off the table. It's not up for discussion. They're not trading Bam. But to get back to the Tyler point, the, the, it's more of an indictment of his role, of less so of him as a basketball player. It's more of an indictment on the front office because we already mentioned the tweet, right? Think bigger. Hero is not Devin Booker. Hero is not Steph Curry. Hero is not that level of player, and that's okay. You did not draft him at the end of the lottery to be the saving grace of the organization. You drafted him there because he had potential, because he was a good basketball player that could improve in the right situation, in the right role. They are not putting him in that position. They're asking him to do too much. I understand his second year when they tried to let him be the point guard during the post-COVID year. We saw that didn't work, or he wasn't ready for that. They've tried to ease him back into that starting role now this year, as well as last year. And I already talked about the sample size. It has not worked. Stop using him like he's Jay, like like he's supposed to be your your top dog, your top alpha. A player comparison that I like is it's like if you ask J.R. Smith to drive the boat, and then he inevitably crashes the boat. You don't blame J.R. Smith. You blame the person who gave him the keys. J.R. Smith can get you buckets. Tyler Hero can get you buckets. The reason that LeBron J or J.R. Smith was in the finals all those years was not because he was the one taking those shots. It's because LeBron James was taking him there. That's the Tyler Hero situation. They're different players, but they're similar in what they should be being asked to do. JR, obviously, in his prime, very good defender, admittedly. Tyler Hero's not that. You need to be able to mask him on defense. That's more of a so of an indictment on Tyler is you need to get better on defense, too. You're laterally slow. He gives up way too easily. We've seen that a ton during the seven-game skid. Tyler gets either picked on on defense or he gives up. And he's not there to mess with it anymore. He lets backdoor cuts happen. George talked about it yesterday. You can't have that. Your players are no longer bought into the system. That doesn't mean that can't change, but it feels like they acknowledge that this is stale. This is a stale build. They're in trouble. I don't know where they exactly go like from here in that regard. Because to, to bring it all back to Harry's original question, they have to make a decision that's going to be very difficult one way or the other in the offseason. I talked about it on post last night. There's no fix in season. There's not. You are not fixing this. Can you salvage it and maybe make it out of the play-in and then lose inevitably in the playoffs? Yes. I will never doubt, like Alex said, I'm not going to bet against a Jimmy and Spo-led team in a seven-game series. I will judge how they get there because they have proven time and time again they are aside from that one year where they were the one seed in the bubble. They were what Harry, they were the five seed. And then after that, when they got swept, they were what the six seed. And then they were the one seed and then they were the eight. And now they're looking like they're going to be in the play in again. You cannot have that. So you have to have a difficult conversation in the off season. Who are you going to get rid of? Will it be Tyler here? Or will it be Jimmy Butler. We all kind of know it's not going to be Jimmy. You need to have an internal shakeup, whether that be players or philosophy, it needs to change because we have seen far too much of the same shit night in and night out, dating back to even the one seed year where they were, they didn't bring the competition when the competition was pretty light. They roll over a little bit. They take them for granted. And then the clutch game records last year, it's been less so that this year recently because they've just been getting dog walked. It's, you need to have an internal conversation about philosophy and 
how you bring in players and who you keep. Are you going to commit to Jimmy in his last probably one year of being an all-caliber NBA player? Or are you going to build young? Either one, make a decision. They've teetered the line for far too long. You need to draw a line in the sand, commit to something. You can't have it both ways. And I think they are, the, the Rozier trade, like Harry said, gave you an inkling of kind of where they were feeling. I, I, I want to see what happens after this year, but I, they're going to have to have a difficult conversation in the offseason at least. And yeah, I mean, I think you summed it up pretty well. Uh, we we spent an hour and four minutes now just kind of going over all of these issues with the Heat, and they got to figure this out. But as always, and with everything, even if we're being a little bit down, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll have another episode next week, figure out what we want to talk about. Hopefully it's a small winning streak and not um, the longest losing streak I can remember. And more importantly, have a good night. Be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat Podcast.